Dr. Jim Martin. <laughs> hey there, Tracy. It's um, Little Things First Day. Little Things First podcast. Here we are. Okay. Well, you know, we're going to be talking to um, Dr. Russell Skiba. I don't know if I that's think it how is you Skiba. say his last name. Um, and he is uh, Professor Emeritus in the Department of Counseling and Educational Psychology at Indiana University. So I think that means that he has retired officially. I don't know. I'm not a professor. Um, but we can get some more information on that when we talk to him. Um, but he is um, he has written a lot about uh, discipline in schools and disproportionality of discipline. And so I thought um, this might be a good conversation to have with him. Very good. Okay, hold um, on just one second. Here we go. Hello? Hi, uh, is this uh, Dr. Skiba? Yeah, hi. Did I say Dr. your last Skiba, name yeah. correctly? Yeah, you sure did. Okay, good, because I was nervous about that. This is Jim Martin. Hi, Jim, how are you doing? Good, and I'm here with my colleague, Tracy Van Deventer. Hey, Russell. Hi. Hi, Tracy. How are you doing? Uh, Dr. Skiba, Emeritus. We want to know what Emeritus means. <laughs> emeritus means an old guy. <laughs> <laughs> so does no, it mean I mean, that you've like, officially retired? Yes, I'm retired. It means you're retired. Okay. So, All right. That's, so, what, so. that's what Jim thought. Congratulations. All right. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so um, will you tell us just a little bit about yourself, first of all? Uh, sure. I um, my first work in education was working with uh, students with um, emotional and behavioral disorders at a center in New England that uh, received some of the uh, toughest kids with with emotional and behavioral disorders. Um, from there, I I studied at the University of Minnesota and got both my master's and a doctorate there in special education with a certification in school psychology. And um, so I worked in that field uh, when, I, when I started in academia at, uh, at Indiana University. I worked in that field of emotional and behavioral disorders for a number of years. <clears throat> um, in the mid-90s, I, I had a project uh, that uh, was looking at the impact of, of um, wraparound programs on students with, with uh, emotional and behavioral disorders. And I started looking at, at effects on suspension and expulsion. And I started seeing some disparities between kids with dis disabilities and other kids. But I was also kind of running the, the, the general demographics of, of the sample and started seeing um, differences in suspension rates between black and white students that, that dwarfed anything between kids with disabilities and kids without disabilities. And so it, it kind of shifted my emphasis. I started looking into that data and realized that this was a really common finding uh, over a long period of time. Um, and, and I just, you know, and I, a lot of the, the, um, oh, a lot of the discourse around that at the time was saying, well, he's, Poor kids. They're they're growing up poor. They're uh, they're coming from families that that don't prepare them from for school. Well, of course they're going to be suspended more. Um, that it did it didn't ring true to me. Um, and so you know uh, we started looking in in 
uh, in our data and at some of the reasons uh, for for um, uh, the over suspension of African American students, and you know we're finding that um, uh, it was that the, the the black students were referred for more uh, subjective reasons for. Um, uh, for suspension, whereas white students were referred for more objective, and and so gradually over time, it just I just kind of expanded that out. It became uh, the Equity Project at Indiana University um, had a number of grants on disproportionality in special education and and school discipline. And as I said, I recently retired. Hmm. Well, I've been reading your work for quite some time, which is why, um, based on everything that's been going on in the country recently, I thought this was an important topic for us to be addressing. I have been, and I know Tracy has been too, searching for things to do in schools that mm-hmm. will um, mm-hmm. be a proactive response to sure. the, the racial tensions that are our country is faced with that we, we we've been dealing with them for a long time uh we being a very subjective term because like patracy and i are both white um mm-hmm. but uh mm-hmm. but yeah we've we've seen these things you've been studying it for years obviously um but yeah we we both want to see some change in schools and so we thought this sure. would be a good conversation to have excellent yeah yeah and I don't even know if this is related at all, uh, so I might be taking us off on a really wild tangent, but just what flashed into my mind right now as Jim was talking is some work when I was working on a master's, it, and it was an ethnographic study of you know, just how kids are raised, and I, I, again, I, I don't even know that this is something that's rel- you know, important here. But it was talking about just even differences in how kids express themselves. And I just had a flash, like, wow, how much is that? Because, like, those kids are acting differently because they express themselves with their body than these kids over here who have been, you know, sort of taught to express themselves with their words. And even just the way we treat our babies is different, right, within societies. It's not necessarily a school-related issue other than kids come to school with those different cultural differences. And how much is it that we... It's just a bunch of white people. It doesn't look like us, you know. I don't. Yeah, know. I, I don't know. I, I think uh, there there isn't really um, uh, much research to to um, back that up. And 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 I would say this is a you know this. Um, I think again, it rather than 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 different cultures or, or different backgrounds or different family experiences. Um, I, I think it, it goes back to the primacy of, of race. Um, it's, it, you know, the, the, one of the tragic things about disproportionality in, in discipline is that it, it's not, it's not just an urban problem. Um, yeah. it, 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 it's also, you know, it's also a, um, uh, a suburban problem. Sure. And in fact, some studies have found that um, dis- racial disparities in in discipline are greater uh, in in suburban uh, schools than they are in in urban schools. So you know, I I I I, I I'd hesitate to um, to put too much uh, into that. Um, well, you know, yeah. I, I think there are some there. I think there are some assumptions about. Sure cultural differences uh that probably um are are 
integrated or, or somehow involved with implicit bias, you know, that, that teachers will make an assumption that because uh, we have kids of different skin colors, that those kids are coming from different family backgrounds or different sets of values. But I, I, I don't think we've, we've, we have data that, that says that that's really the case. Well, you, I guess what made me go there too was reference to the subjective reasons. So mm-hmm. I was thinking about that in my own case, right? I know that that, that text that I read, again, now this is a long time ago because I'm about time to be emeritus myself. Um, so I remember <laughs> Pod, early... Podcast, podcast emeritus. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But, you know, this is like late 80s. And um, I remember this text having kind of an influence on me. And I was thinking about what are my own subjective reasons? So I'm curious, for instance, if you could share with us, you did some research, you found out that African-American or black kids were, or people of color, I'm not sure even how you identified the group, but was suspended for more subjective reasons. What, what kind of reasons were given? Uh, things like um, loitering, uh, disrespect, um, whereas the the white students were referred more for things like smoking uh, and vandalism, mm. um, and so you know there were there you know it, it's funny you know I present this before various audiences and ask for the audiences to you know say what the differences are between the the two types of behavior and invariably you know they they say you know the the black student the reasons black students are referred were more subjective and whereas the white students were, were for more objective um, reasons. Um, Ann Gregory and colleagues uh, then at the University of Virginia, now at at Rutgers, um, found something similar that that black students in her sample were referred more for defiance um, than other students. And what leads to that? Because I, you know, teachers do not identify as racist very often you know i mean they don't they don't uh, they don't go into education because they want to do harm to any students and so what leads to this disproportionality i have found actually that pointing out some of these um differences uh in referrals can lead teachers to feel very defensive about their practices you know like it's not us it's not our fault so i just wonder what what leads to that and then how do you address it yeah well you know um i'm i was i'm always been i've always been very um uh, impressed with the work of Barbara Trapanier out of the University of Texas, um, who who had had a book called Silent Racism, um, and and she made just makes an excellent point that that um, issues where we see racial disparities are 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 very sensitive um, because. Uh, nobody wants to be thought of as a racist, and you know, racist is a is a very categorical term. Um, you, you know, you, you you know, nobody wants to be even just a little bit racist. A little bit racist is still racist, right? <laughs> and, and so it it does. It you know, it 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 the first thing it tends to do is to um, arouse feelings of 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 defensiveness, and oftentimes that's that comes back to you know it's not our problem it's it's a problem of of poor kids coming in and and uh, behaving differently um 
what I found is is you know the the discussion has to be carried on as as um, an issue that has been a historical issue. It's not. I mean, this is a, these are the footprints left for from 400 years of 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 oppression and and discrimination in our society. That's that's nobody's fault, but that we all have a responsibility to take care of. So it, it's not a matter of being racist or not racist. It's really more a matter of cultural competence and and to start thinking about cultural competence as a skill uh, that that all of us uh, can can improve upon mm. um, and that starts with with just just taking a look at, at whether there is uh, whether there are these disparities are, are in place um, Right. Does that get at your question? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So maybe yeah. taking a look at us as a school at um, even what your referrals are by race and being able to really have a discussion about that as a school and and trying to move forward from there. Yeah, look, looking at data is is always uh, a, a really good. I was beyond good, a really important starting point. Just to be able to say where um, where do where do we stand uh, on this, and then once once um, teachers see that, I mean, educators are uh, really good problem solvers. You know, teachers see data and they want to, you know, uh, data that a certain kid isn't isn't progressing, and they don't stop there. Uh, they say, well, how do we fix that? And so so that's a, a a place to start is 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 by looking always by looking at the data. A lot of schools have uh, developed teams. Um, um, a lot of schools have uh, teams in place for, for positive um, behavior interventions and supports. And many of those teams are, are starting now to, to disaggregate their data by race. And, and that's a really good place to start because you have a, a group of, 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 of teachers and hopefully administrators there whose who's goal is to make sense of data and to put to to change discipline systems to become more positive as a result of, of looking at that data and so like having a small group like that uh, I think can can avoid defensiveness you know my my coming in and talking to all the teachers as an outsider um, might not have very much effect or might you know, increase defensiveness. But if, you know, if, if I were to come in and, and work with a team of teachers who then kind of brought their brainstorming uh, and, and their findings to the rest of their peers um, would, would be a, probably a lot more effective way of, of um, approaching the problem. I found uh, for myself as a building leader that it's actually much harder than I expected to disaggregate that data. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, the system that we use doesn't allow yeah. if you to yeah. click a button yeah. Yeah. that says, yeah. Yeah. Hmm, here's how many kids here, here's how many kids there. So I have to do it by hand and yeah, I'm not opposed <laughs> to it. But in this day right. and age, you're like, really, really, yeah, I have to do this it, by yeah. hand. That seems kind of silly. Yeah, that's, that, that's a shame. There are a lot of, there are a number of, uh, there are a number of, uh, different, uh, electronic systems out there, uh, for, um, you know, for looking at discipline data, and unfortunately, some of them just you know allow you to to generate individual reports, mm -hmm. uh, and they don't really allow much 
uh, in the way of, of, you know, overall trends in the school and, and especially by, um, by race and ethnicity. Um, so, um, yeah, uh, the, one of the, the systems that has, has, you know, um, really moved along in terms of being able to disaggregate data is the, is the data system associated with PBIS, the Swiss system. Um, they, it, it really allows the, the team to to rely on the computer to disaggregate their data for them and put, prints out charts. And so that that's really helpful. So I want to go a little bit further because I think disaggregating data is really important. And mm-hmm. um, I think sometimes educators look at that data and they go, okay, well, we have, you know, a disproportionate amount of our black students being referred uh, for, you know, to the office, for example. Um, But we don't necessarily know what to do with that information. You know, we don't know. (laughs) I mean, do we, are we not paying enough attention to our black students? Are we not? I mean, I guess that's where the problem solving comes in. But I think that some people just don't know what to do with that information once they have it. Um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What have you seen schools do that have been successful responding to some of those disparities? Yeah. Um, some of the work in the Denver public schools uh, has has really um, um, moved the needle um, some. Uh, they they have been working for, I, I think it's like oh, seven to ten years now on implementing restorative justice programs um, uh, throughout their, their schools. They had a pilot program in just a few schools at first. Now I think 75% of their schools are, are now using the restorative justice program. Um, and, and it's a way of, of um, you know, shifting from a punitive approach to an approach where, where kids take uh, responsibility um, and where teachers um, start to spend time trying to understand the roots of, of kids' behavior Rather than than have it simply be a, a cause for removing kids from the from the classroom, and and so you know there are a number of different pieces to um, restorative justice. Um, uh, one of them is the um, idea of, of restorative circles, so that the the kids in the classroom are uh, they're, they're sitting in a circle and they have some sort of a um, talking stick or something that they'll pass around and the only kid who can talk is the one who has the stick. But it, it really sort of opens up discussions that are beyond just um, curriculum um, and, you know, all, all the way at, at high school to things like peer court where kids are, uh, where, where um, when there are discipline problems that it is a, 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 your own peers that are, are making a judgment rather than than uh, administrators. Um, so those are those are some things. Um, uh, I think that the is the schools that have been trying to use um, more culturally responsive um, discipline um, programs begin to see things uh, about um, their school. We were working with with um, one school uh, that had um, um, strong Latino uh, disproportionality. Uh, the 22 suspensions in, a, in one half of the year, 21 of them were, were uh, Latino uh, students. Mm-hmm. Um, and and what, what they found as they started kind of doing an assessment was that they, they 
weren't paying attention to cultural aspects very well. You know, one of the things that, that came up was they have all had all of these posters of of um, oh, you, you see them in schools all the time, like be your best or you know, uh, shoot for the moon, all of, you know, these inspirational kind of posters. Well, you know, the posters uh, that had all of their behavioral rules were translated into Spanish, but none of the posters that had to do with shoot for the moon or, or anything, anything else inspirational, none of those were translated into Spanish. And little things like that, I think, mm. say something about the culture of the school. Um, you know, if, if the school wants to pay attention to it. Hmm. Interesting. Well, what was the ratio of the Latino population in the school, just to put it in context? Well, it, it, I was, it was probably 50%, 40 or 50%. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. yeah. I, I can't remember the exact percentage right now. Mm -hmm. When you're thinking about moving forward um let's say just even post corona right that's that's having a big impact on our schooling right now yeah 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 and then you have uh the black lives matter movement making really some big statements and and rightly so right um right, in right. what has taken place over time and is finally now garnered enough attention to, to demand some change. I'm curious mm -hmm. if you feel that there will be any kind of a ripple effect in the classroom or in the school setting. Um, have you looked into that at all or given any thought to that? Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, um, I have no idea what, uh, impact the, the coronavirus would have. It's, schools are going to be, um, or my, my wife is a, as a director of special education and they're just working so hard right now to kind of figure out how, how they're going to bring kids back in the fall. Um, so it's just, there's just no telling what, you know, what that's, what that's going to mean. Um, you know, I, I, I guess you could, you know, I, I read somewhere that more, more African Americans were being um, tagged for things like social distancing uh, issues. So I suppose that could happen um, in schools. But um, as far as the, the impact of the, the murder of, of George Floyd and our, our what are our, uh, the national conversation that that has led to, I think right now the, it's, a, it's a very good time um, to take a look at, at, at these issues in schools. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's some things that are, are, are different, um, between, you know, the issues of, of, uh, racism and policing and, and issues of, 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 um, systemic racial differential treatment in, in, in schools. Um, you know, disproportionality and suspension and expulsion aren't immediately life-threatening. You know, we don't see a single suspension and expulsion on the national news. But, you know, over time, uh, those disparities cause very, very significant and really detrimental outcomes for um, many more um, uh, individuals, you know, with that, with the focus on the, the, the school to prison pipeline and, and the impact that, that, you know, suspensions can have on kids' lives, making them more likely to, to enter, um, that, that, um, um, 
that pipeline. Um, the other thing that I think, you know, this, this could, you know, raise would, would be more of a, a, a reflectiveness on uh, the part of schools of, you know, of, of what uh, individuals bring um, uh, to, you know, you have to call it unintentional uh, systemic racism, I think you guys would agree, but but you know the whole idea of implicit bias um, has has received a lot of attention lately, and basically that's just well-intentioned folks falling into cognitive traps, you know, that move them towards punishment rather than compassion uh, for students in their classrooms. So I, I think you know our our goal is as we move back into school is how do we begin to shift our conversations to increase compassion and understanding as opposed to immediately jumping to punishment. Um, some of the, the suggestions for, you know, um, for how to decrease implicit bias aren't all that, um, aren't, aren't all that earth shaking. Um, you know, just to take time uh, as a teacher to reflect whenever there's a, 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 a a, a punishment or a consequence uh, directed towards um, an African American student. Hmm. That's really powerful. Um, where do you see research headed in this field? I mean, you have talked about the fact that you've been doing this for a couple decades, and um, it's been written about quite a lot uh, by yeah. other scholars in the field. Um, where's Where's it going to go next? Well, you know, I think that um, I think the whole area of implicit bias uh, is is one issue. Um, there's, you know, there there is increasing, um, uh, you know, in, increasing evidence that 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 takes place in schools as well as other uh, institutions and in policing and 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 medicine. Um, but you know, we don't really have. Uh, really solid data on uh, uh, implicit bias uh, in in schools, and we especially don't have uh, really solid data on uh, how, how you know on implicit bias training. Uh, how how do we um, help um, school personnel to recognize and deal with um, issues of implicit bias? So that's just that's just starting, and I think you'll see a lot more attention. Uh, to that um, in the future. Uh, Jason Oconifwa at, um, uh, at the University of California, ex excuse me, at Stanford, has done a lot of um, really good research um, uh, in that area. Mm. Um, I think also st uh, studying the effect of various interventions and programs specifically on disproportionality. Um, we know a lot about alternatives to exclusionary discipline, things like, you know, PBIS or social-emotional learning, restorative justice. But we don't have much information on how those specifically impact racial disparities in discipline. I think for, for a long time, we just assumed that, you know, anything that worked for all kids would also work for kids of color. Uh, and the the data we've been seeing recently has shown that that's not always the case. We can we can improve discipline in general, but still have pretty sizable um, discipline gaps. Uh, and so I think you'll see in future research a lot more attention to 
uh, disaggregating the the data for for um, interventions, um, and I, I think you will see more too more too about um, the relationship between the achievement gap and the discipline gap. Um, there there was a recent article in AERA Open that had um, some real powerful data showing that. Um, the discipline gap um, does influence um, the achievement gap, even after you control for a lot of uh, different, um, you know, a lot of, of different variables. Um, what's interesting about that is they found that to be true more for black kids than for Latino kids, that there wasn't as strong a relationship between the achievement gap and the, and the discipline gap for uh, Latino students. So we, that's, that's another area that I think we, uh, need to pay increased attention to is is um, kind of differential effects for for different groups. You know, there's no question that this has been um, an issue for for African American students um, consistently, but the data are much more inconsistent for Latino students. Sometimes we don't see disparities at the elementary level, but we see it at the high school level. Um, also, I think um, because of I don't know because of of numbers of, of uh, uh, in this society, um, we don't we haven't paid enough attention to disparities for Native American uh, students, and um, any studies that have have, have found you know, big gaps um, in suspension rates. So yeah, those are. Yeah, those are some of the areas. A lot of work. Yeah, to do. yeah, yeah. There is. <laughs> uh, two questions left. One question: Did you notice any difference between the race of the teachers? Did you dig into that at all, as far as if there were equal disparities, no matter the the race of the teacher? Um, yeah, there there uh, definitely uh, is um, are differences um, that the. Um, um, Black teachers uh, would refer uh, fewer students to uh, the office than white teachers. Um, interestingly enough, you don't see that for administrators. There, there haven't been any uh, findings that that there's a difference in suspension, um, in you know, in suspensions that are handed out between black and white administrators. Hmm. Why do you think that's the case? Yeah, for for the administrators. Yeah, both the teachers and the administrators. The, the well, you know, I think there's see. more. Yeah, I think there's probably more um, pressure on administrators to kind of hold to a district norm, mm. uh, especially if you're, you know, uh, if you're kind of an early in your career. Which I think probably black administrators, you know, are more likely to be under um, scrutiny. Um, in a district, and so, um, you know, they they would probably hold more to a, a, a district norm, and you'd see less um, variation there. Uh, I think there's also, you know, there's also a, a really interesting piece um, in the community that, you know, when we found this, um, we were doing some uh, qualitative research, interviewing uh, teachers and and principals. Um, about their reactions to disciplinary disproportionality. And what we found is that, that um, among some black administrators, there was a feeling that, you know, I need, if anything, to be tougher on my black students because, you know, it's a tough world out there 
and I need to hold them even to a higher standard than I hold um, other kids to. So that that might also contribute to that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but for you know um, black and white teachers, I think that you know the the um, uh, uh, in in the work that we've done, some of the qualitative work, I think we we found that that black teachers are just more um, sensitive to issues of culture. You know, I, I remember in, in interviewing some of the teachers, we found that um, many of the white teachers um, kind of denied that they even noticed issues of, of the, there was sort of a, a professed colorblindness there. Um, I, you know, I remember one teacher saying, you know, I, I don't know, I guess it's about 50, 50. I, I never notice. <laughs> going, uh, it's, it's 50, 15. You never noticed. Whereas, you know, we, we found that many of the black teachers were able to give us a precise breakdown of the numbers of kids in their classes, um, in each racial and ethnic group. So, um, there may be just more, more of a um, uh, an awareness of those issues on the part of, of black teachers. Well, and and you know, if you're a white person, you don't necessarily have to pay attention to race. I mean, that goes to yes, absolutely, that we absolutely. All have. It, issues I mean, of yeah. privilege. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Color blindness is definitely a statement of of, of privilege. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 <laughs> You've never, I've never heard a, a, a teacher of color say, I don't see color. <laughs> right. <laughs> Final question. We ask this of all of our guests. If you could take a trip in a time machine to go talk to your younger self that, before that would you were, be very cool. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know about so talking cool. about young, I'm not sure I'd want to go talk to my younger self. <laughs> I don't know. You know, well, what, um, what would you whisper to that younger self? What advice would you give them? <laughs> You know, I had a really hard time with this question. Uh, <laughs> uh, my first thought was maybe like floss more and buy stock in Apple in the 1980s. You know? <laughs> That'll work. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I think, um, I don't know, uh, in, in terms of, of, some of some of the, you know, big issues that, that, you know, like Black Lives Matter today, you know, I in back in the 60s, I was in, involved in... Um, you know, in the anti-war movement, and um, you know, there was a lot of a lot of anger uh, that that went with that, and and I guess I I would have said just you know, don't um, don't get caught up in the anger, just protest. <laughs> mm. um, so you know, that that might have been something I would have said to uh, uh, to a, a younger self. I don't know. Um, I, I think also, I think um, maybe more important one is in your 20s and 30s, there's so much going on. It's so busy. You know, you're trying to settle down, find a partner, get a career going, having kids, raising kids. Um, and I think I'd say, don't worry so much about all that. Just just enjoy your kids. It's they're only young once. Mm-hmm. So. so true. Well, we really appreciate you taking time out of your busy day. We know that everyone has plenty to keep them going. Well, maybe not because you're that emeritus. Maybe you're, <laughs> maybe you're wishing you wouldn't have well, emeritized. I, I, I am getting out in the garden more, but I'm yeah, still trying to keep good. busy with with yeah. So, well, we certainly appreciate anyway. you giving us your time and talking with us and helping us have more insights. Yeah, you've mm-hmm. you've contributed some amazing scholarship to the field, Dr. Skiba, and I really appreciate, I appreciate you that. taking the time to talk to us about this really important topic. 
Well, I appreciate that that you're you know that you're pursuing this topic right now. It's 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 just so important. I, I think it's you know it, it's been um, been tragic and sad, but on the other hand, um, um, you know, I, I heard uh, Angela Davis uh, on uh, on the radio saying this this is also a window of opportunity. Uh, that we need to take advantage of. So yeah. I, I appreciate your, your taking a look in that window. Thank you so much. Thank you, and have a great rest of your day. All right, you too. Thank take you. care. Bye-bye. Good talking with you. Bye-bye.